0: It's Ben Lawrence. Hey, it's Paul my Goody. pal. How's hey, it happening, Ben? How's it happening? Uh, I have no and, idea. Oh, I'm
1: just how is happening. Based on but it's based
0: happening. on that, I'm gonna read just a really quick thing that uh, I sent my <laughs> wife. This is a this is a text to my wife. Here we go. Um, I say to her. Um, Oh, she says to me, ask Betty if she would like pizza. I would like pizza. And I said to her, she want a pizza okay. And what I was trying to communicate was that uh, Betty told me that she would not mind having pizza. So she wasn't like super jazzed about it, but she was also all right. So in that case, she want a pizza okay is okay. Uh, when I saw how badly that sentence came out, I wrote maybe the basket come off, and then she wrote to me, "Okay, for now is money time." Uh, so, do you know the story about maybe the basket come off? I ben? do. Have we talked about this. I
1: do not believe so. No.
0: All right. So we uh, we read about a hot air balloon accident that occurred. And uh, there was speculation between us about what the what the thing that caused the hot air balloon disaster was. And my response to that question was, maybe the basket come off. Like, maybe the basket had uh, untethered itself yeah. from the balloon. Of course, yeah. But, you know, did I get all that information? In? And you've, you've talked uh, to me a little bit about this before, that sometimes having a conversation with me is hard because I start into the conversation and I've had half of the conversation in my head and I do not communicate that part of the information to you. So I will say something like, well, she was going to do that anyway. And that's the first sentence that you hear from me yeah. about this new conversation. that. We're
1: Sometimes having. that even happens in the middle of conversations.
0: Yes. Oh, like like we've started having a conversation, and I've jumped ahead like three steps or whatever. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, that's too bad. But hey, uh, <laughs> we're all here now, and everything's good. Do you know what today is, Ben? I think you do. Today is Friday, uh,
1: September 1st. It's the Friday before a three-day holiday weekend. Uh, kind of digging here. And, I have
0: no idea what you're referring to. It is a time when you and I are going to reconnect about something that we connected on at the very beginning of our friendship. When we first met each other, uh, we were driving around. Today, in, your, in, in my your, red
1: pickup truck, today is the release ma- of, uh, Ghost, of
0: yeah. <laughs> Ghost of Room. Ghost of uh 3, yeah. I believe is the... And uh, I have not had a Mike Dowdy album. Uh, for a long time, I've I've listened to some of his things, but I haven't bought. What's the What's the one uh, that um that he put out that had um God, I'm trying to think of, of one of the songs off of it. I vegetable. I haven't. Yeah, vegetable. Which one was that? That's on Golden Delicious, I believe. Golden Delicious. Yes. So I got Golden Delicious, which to me. Just so you know, we've talked about this before, uh, time compression as you get older. To me, Golden Delicious came out maybe two or three years yeah, ago. Yeah, no, it's been How like, long has it actually been? Oh,
1: God, it's been like 15.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to look it up. So, yeah. So, I got Ghost of Room 3, and I love it. Now, my guess is that you, Ben Lawrence, have already heard some of these songs because you are, of course, a Patreon subscriber... To uh, Mike Dowdy.
1: I am. I don't. I haven't. So I haven't listened to the album yet. It's just got released. Today. Oh, um, yeah, I'll pick it up when I go home. But uh...
0: so this is the exciting thing. I was like, I'm going to get this album. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to talk to Ben about <laughs> it. Because obviously Ben has become the larger fan uh, and therefore we'll already know about. It. But yeah. OK, so let me tell you, Ben. Um, it it has a lot of the stuff that i like about yeah. mike dowdy lots of samples lots of cool uh you know he's he's doing his his hip-hop lyricy kind of yeah. things that he does he says
1: and, i mean i'm on his mailing list and he says it's uh, of, yeah. his, of his albums this is one of his favorites he thinks it's really good of course you're gonna say that though when you want people to buy yeah yeah song. yeah Um, I just want to point out, though. I just want to point out that I guessed that Golden Delicious was released 15 years ago. It was released in 2008, which was 15 years ago.
0: Ben. Amazing.
1: Boom. Uh, right
0: Right before this call, I got a phone call from a bookstore saying that they were looking for books to showcase on consignment... Uh, and they asked about my book. Now, here's the fun thing about this. Yeah, No one calls me about my books except for this one group that is not necessarily a scam, but is kind of a, hey, we need you to pay us so that we can promote your book kind yeah. of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, this is why it's not a scam. I'm putting air quotes and not a scam, but also, you know, libel. They will promote your book if you pay them. Right, So it's not really a scam. It's a service. It is just a service that they don't tell you that they're going to need you to pay them for it until you get further along in the process. Um, And my guess is that they are now also working with these bookstores to do the thing, because the the pitch is exactly the same. And because, I think we've talked about this, Jennifer uh, talked about doing an audiobook version. Jennifer and I talked about it. Me actually paying her to do an audiobook version as she was reading through it. She's like, Paul, I don't know if you want to do this. Right. And we talked about it. It's, um, at the time that I wrote it, the idea of this is before we went through the whole, uh, can I play a black character in D and D thing? Yeah. Right. And just yeah. to, just because I brought it up to explain my, my, um, my stance on it. Um, the the people who would be depicted by a white player playing a black character, and again, we want to say we're not talking about can I play a drow, can I play, can I play an uh, an African American coded character in a game? The answer is, well, you can do whatever you want, but if you care about other people and how they feel about things. Uh, there are many black people who would not like you to do that. Yeah. Can you find someone who will say I have no problem with it? Probably so. Right? But there are people who have said I do not like this. So, that conversation had not happened yet when I wrote Mara and the Magicians where one of the main, where the main character that you're following, Mara, is uh, black. And Had I had that conversation before I wrote it, I don't think I would have... I don't think I would have uh, written the story that I wrote. But it happened. The book is out there. I'm not... I like the book. I like like it, but I, I don't know if I would have... I would have chosen a different story to tell because there are plenty of people who have had an authentic experience who are, you know, like... I mean, my, my book is about someone who grew up in a fantasy world. So, you know, at the time that I wrote it, I was like, well, this is fine. This is a totally different cultural experience than anybody else. Yeah. And the, the meta-contextual thing of, okay, that's great. The, the, uh, we understand that you're doing that. Is this a story that needs to be told by you at this time? Answer was no, wrote it already, so I'm not, it's not a big thing, but I don't want to do anything else with it.
1: Like, as a white person, I'm not going to tell anybody what their cultural experience is, of course. Um, Right. But I I feel that there is a small difference between being a white author and writing a person of color in your story versus being a white author and writing uh, the lived experience of a person of color, right? Yeah but like you're not yeah i get, like i mean that like mara is you're not writing the experience of mara as a black person in this world you know you're writing the right. experience of mara being in this world
0: right and and the thing the thing about it i guess and again i i feel as though the meta contextual things that go along with the book right like where i paul goody am as a, as a white American dude writing this this book. Um, again, I made the choice. I wrote it. Had I to make the choice over again, I would not have written it. But I did. I, and so I'm not like, I'm not like trying to remove all copies that exist in the world or anything. <laughs> but I'm also not going to heavily promote it. So the reason yeah. I bring all this up is that I've, I've what I've started doing is being completely honest with them, when they call and say, "Hey, we would like to help promote this book," and say, "I'm not interested in promoting this." Oh, book. Oh,
1: they're talking about that book and not Elephant and Giraffe, right? Yes, they're
0: talking about *Mara and the Magicians* specifically. How uh, did I know about I, it? Amazon. It's on Amazon. You know, it's 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 all on Amazon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, it's part of CreateSpace. And I, I think it's what they do is Kindle Direct I think, Publishing these days. Yeah, exactly. So you can see how much attention I've been paying to this. <laughs> so, so what I say to them is, look, um, I, I had some plans to do an audiobook of it when the audiobook reader read it. I don't mention that the audiobook reader was my wife, I don't think. Or when the audiobook producer yeah. read it, um, they, they had some concerns about how it would play today. Uh, and, you know, decided to pass on it. And I took that lesson to heart and decided that I'm not really doing any additional promotion for the book at this time. So thank you for your interest. Uh, and here's the thing that's that's exciting. Um, make the world work for you, Ben, the world you're living in. When I made that statement, uh, stop the conversation. They were no longer interested in uh, promoting the book. So... That works out. They did not ask me to pay them $500 like they did the last time.
1: I run into that every once in a while but with podcasts because I get like I've at one point I produced like three different podcasts, like self-produced three different podcasts mm-hmm. and I would constantly get emails from people saying hire us to help promote your podcast. Guaranteed thousands of listeners per week and I'm like, "I you know what? I don't want thousands of listeners per week."
0: I like do- I specifically like, like doing yeah. my thing in a bubble. Exactly, and it's it's weird, right? When you don't want to get it's it's similar to um, back when back when I was selling uh, Love in a Time of Zombies, right? Uh, a friend of ours who you know it, you'll probably guess who it is, and if you don't guess, I'll tell you after the uh, the the podcast. Should I guess part, on Should I guess on the no on the no stream? no. Not not guess on the stream, okay. but but what I mean is when I say this, you'll you'll know. Okay. Was like this is a poor business decision on your part to sell your book for this little money. You should sell it for more money because then people will value it more and will pay for it. And I was like, but I don't think my book is worth any more than what I'm charging for it. Yeah, you know I like this book. I like Love in the Time of Zombies, but I do not want anyone to pay any more than what I've asked for it. Because I would not pay more than what I've asked for it. And they said, well, just as an experiment, uh, price it higher. So I did. Nobody bought it any more than they already did. And so I put it back at the regular price. Um, and it's the same thing with uh, when we were doing uh, improv in, in St. Louis. Our ticket prices were lower than any other theater's ticket prices. And we were like, yeah, but, you know... This is what we're doing. We want a big audience to come and see us.
1: It's also and like, that's an accessibility thing too. Um, there's a theater in town. They don't have set ticket prices. It's all pay what you can. Now they have pay what you can tiers. So the lowest you can pay is five bucks, you know, and it goes up by like five, $10 increments. But it's, yeah. it's not like, it's not like, I think we've gotten to the point now, at least in Seattle, I don't know anywhere else where the value of the art is not, connected to the ticket price because you you know that's you, nice you can go see a really great show at a small fringe theater for five bucks you know or yep. you can pay you know i don't even know how much the opera uh, costs these days you,
0: you could you could buy a subscription to uh, the 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 largest theater in seattle and have just a guy running up and down <laughs> on a big pile of dirt Anyway, at least uh, at
1: least the at least the community that I hang out with does not consider the the um, value of the art to be connected to how much it costs to see it. I'm, of course, people in my community also get comp tickets all the time, which frustrates Stephen to no end. Being somebody who you know runs a theater,
0: but wait, I I, I will I will say this: I don't think that Stephen is necessarily against comp tickets.
1: No, 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 right? He's, he's not against. Uh. Com tickets, but it's—he's just frustrated by the amount of people who request them. Um, Yes, that there's a
0: there's a difference. However,
1: I remember I was having a conversation with Rick Miller once, and this is this is what this isn't ticket price, but it was connected to physical media. There was a spin the bottle, and um, a musician came, and he was handing out his CDs. He wasn't charging for them, and like people would take them. And I was talking to Rick later on because Rick charges for his music, and I and he and I was like, "What do you think of this guy just giving out his 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 CD to uh, like anybody?" And Rick's point was that if people didn't buy, if people didn't pay money for that CD, then they didn't they didn't that's that's the amount of value they they attributed to that piece of media.
0: This was this was not it was not Rick who said. Uh that I should charge more for my books, but it was the same exact argument. That that if you don't charge people a lot, they don't value it enough. And now,
1: here's something... Rick actually had a point in terms of that particular artist. I, 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 I got one of his CDs, and I found it again, like, two, three years later. I hadn't even taken the cellophane
0: off. So here's what I'd say. And I, you know, not to sell myself short, right? But Rick Miller saying that is rick miller saying that meaning between between you me and rick miller when it comes to the amount of time effort and skill that we've acquired in our craft i think rick is uh much better <laughs> at like music than us for instance right so if you and i were going to charge for music we are we are two guys who like playing music Rick is Rick is a someone an artist who has honed his craft, right yeah, and I think his argument makes sense for what he is performing yeah no i'm not I'm not doing so that. so if if he were to charge less for what he does, people would undervalue what he did. you and I charging more money for the music that we do isn't going to make the music any better uh. <laughs> So, so, in fact, that, it and, might and, and piss again. people off. Right, exactly. <laughs> I say this with love, um, but but my whole point is this, and and I think that I, I really think Rick would get on board with this. I don't know if he would for sure, but I feel as though I would like to live in a world where neither Rick or us have to survive on the sales of our of our art. Yeah, that we could just make art. Um, you know, because in that, in that world, right, where no one is paying for art because no one has to, because everybody has what they need, um, the skill of the artist is really going to, um, determine how much value that art has, right? The, my kid can paint that thing that happened with modern art back when it was being funded by the CIA, but still, you know, um, they're, they're, they're. There is outsider art that I really like and value, right? But, in the same way, if price weren't part of it, you could look at something that's worth a million dollars right now and go, I don't really like this, but the fact that it's a million dollars artificially inflates how much meaning and value it has.
1: For some people.
0: My opinion is that if we lived in a world where art was not charged for where everything was free and we could and anyone could hand out cds for free of their music rick's music would be valued higher than ours <laughs> even though there's no price uh, associated with it yeah and again i i'm including you with this ben i think that you're with me on it i i i enjoy all of your contributions to everything that i do i like myself and what i do But I just know that Rick is much more talented. No, there
1: was—I don't. You, I'm sure you remember this. There was a time when somebody that we knew was like the music booker at some tavern in Ballard, and was like, "Do you guys want to do like a?" a Oh, and we were
0: like, "No, God,
1: no! This is this is a good way for for us to get kicked out of Ballard." Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) I remember my friend uh, Jamie and I uh, got hired to play music at a coffee shop. And he was playing keyboards, I think, maybe guitar. I was running a police scanner through a uh, vocorder (laughs) that was uh, hooked up through a whole bunch of MIDI stuff. And it was great and it was interesting, but this guy, um, who does... uh, uh, What have we become? Just look at what we have done. All that you destroy, we, all that we destroy, you must build again. I don't, I don't know. Well, while you're trying to figure uh, that out, we thing, got... Things have changed. Is it, is it Scorpions? I have no idea. Uh, okay, well, anyway, this guy came up and he sang this, this song, Acapella, and it was really, really great. And, and I looked at, I looked at Jamie, and I looked at the guy who did the venue, uh, Booking and I was like, do we even continue? I mean that was great. Do you yeah. still want us to do what we're doing? And he was like, eh, if you can if you want, so we did, but uh you know, it was it was I was really into negative land at the time. Oh, so yeah. uh you know
1: So But we got, anyway, we,
0: but what I what I'm saying is I like yeah. Rick. Okay, good. We have uh so actually we, we have
1: two people in the chat right now, Steven and Drunk are both with us. Oh wow, okay, um, hey and, Steven and, um, and Drunk Drunk wants to tell you that the next time you go to Schnucks, try their Schnucks brand, St. Louis-style thin crust, and tell them it ain't better than Emo's.
0: Oh, I'll tell you it's better than Emo's right now. Emo's. <laughs> Not a St. Louis <laughs> yeah, yeah. person. I, I was going to just uh, just uh, glaze over that. But, yeah, okay, and I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll ask, uh, I'll ask Betty and Jennifer to try it as well. Because I bet you it is better.
1: You uh, know why? I finally...
0: You know I know Drunk saying- knows this... You yeah. know why I
1: keep saying emo instead of emo? Because I have a friend. Her name is Imogen, and
0: it's emo for sure. Yeah. True. Imogen uh, Love? Very sad. Is that right? Um, so, yeah, I, what, I'll, what I'll say is this I took Betty and Jennifer to emo's finally. Uh, they did not. I ate the whole pizza myself <laughs> after they took a few bites. Um, so, here's. This is the way I think. There's a there a part of Northern Exposure. Who's the radio DJ guy? A uh, Northern you're Exposure. Have to, you I've remember, I've never watched Northern Exposure. There is there is a character who's a radio DJ. Spent some time in prison, and he talked about how there's food that he had in prison that he really he still eats it because it's a comfort sort of thing. I think living in the Midwest, if you eat Emos, uh, when you're young enough, uh, there's a nostalgia factor that adds a little bit of spice to it. Oh, I, I did want to say one thing, Ben, and this could be a little bit controversial. I don't think that, that Rick or Laura listened to the podcast, so I'm going to just mention this. At one point in time, uh, Laura uh, would get into arguments with people online, uh, and there was one argument that she and Jose Amador had that was uh, particularly uh, bad. I didn't like it. I didn't like reading it. I did, because I'm messy and I like drama. But one of the things that happened was, I think he blocked her, and then after he blocked her, she got onto Rick's account and kept on writing to him. Oh, jeez. So, when I got into an argument with Laura, I blocked her, and then I also blocked Rick. (laughs) (laughs) At which point, she wrote, I to to Jennifer's account, uh, saying, why did you block Rick? Why did Paul block Rick? And that's exactly why I blocked Rick, because she tried to do the same thing, uh, but maybe she didn't. This is the this epiphany. I had this epiphany just yesterday. Maybe she didn't. Maybe Rick just wanted to write to me. He goes, "Huh, that's weird. Paul blocked me," and she's <laughs> like, "Oh, he blocked me too. So maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was." And I just, you know, I'm I now I feel like that you know that time is over. I'm no longer on any social media. So I think yeah. everything's fine. Uh, social media, man, made people argue with each other a lot. Friends who would never argue like that in real life it's, would argue actually, online. Those two, I, I think so. they would
1: go at it in a public forum. But um, I, oh, maybe they would. It's it's yeah. It's interesting to see when I when I see two people that I know. I don't whether or not I know if they're friends or not. Um, Th- th- when I see, them, like, I didn't block
0: really... over the Jose Armador thing. I just want to make sure there was a, there was a different sort of beef that we had later on. I just used the thing from Jose as a uh, a lesson. Yeah. Prior to that, anyway. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, you go ahead. You. <laughs> oh oh no 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 no. The only I just love I love my my mustache. Um. What I was going to say is, um. I I just meant that I wouldn't have argued with her uh not online if that makes sense and I wouldn't have blocked her right if it wasn't online that whole thing yeah exactly so I
1: do I do not like it when I when friends of mine argue online I find it very uncomfortable yeah, and it. I and I don't read it because for me that's like it never happened
0: yeah and and it real and here's the thing it kind of didn't right if you don't read it about it online uh then it's it's not I mean that's where it exists, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Now I do not agree with the it's just TikTok, man. Whenever somebody stole people's jokes, is that a is and that a like thing? did you did you just did you just take this joke that this person did and 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 redo it as yourself? And they're like, man, it's just TikTok. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I guess, and I mean that that's something. It's just. Name of application because that happened on Twitter too. It's just Twitter. Yeah, you know, don't worry about it. There was
1: a there was the, a, a Bob Barker passed away recently, and yes. I saw like three different variations of the joke where Bob Barker died at ninety nine without going over a hundred. Yeah, and and I I'm like it's it's like I'm everybody. I'm sure everybody came up with that joke on their own. Yep. Yeah? Yeah. But you're, exactly. you're you're gonna get somebody who came up with that joke and then saw somebody else with the, a similar joke and get super super mad.
0: I think we talked about this. One of the things that that made me quit Twitter the first time was that I was obsessed with that. Yeah. Uh, when I saw whenever I would see someone accuse someone else of stealing their joke, I've told I've said this many times. Uh, I would go through the Twitter search history and find someone who wasn't either of those two people. Who told the joke three years earlier and said, "So, both of you guys steal from this guy." Yeah. Um, Because, because I'm uh, again messy, love drama. Um, I I I also used to do the thing that was, um, "Hey, great job, everybody," because we talked about this. You and I very obsessed with not doing jokes or, or things that other people did. If we found out that somebody else had already done something we'd we'd scrap our idea and do something else as much as possible as um, much as possible
1: it's hard to it's hard to like completely redo that yep. when you're about to go on at spin the bottle and the, the act before is remarkably similar
0: it was it was also uh, you know before the internet markets were smaller right so you could do something that another group had done and never have heard of them before yeah it's harder to do now but one of the things i would do on twitter is i would search for a joke that i was about to tell to make sure that nobody else told that joke. And if I searched for that joke and there were like, you know, 30 people who would do it, I would just take a screenshot of it and say, great job, everyone, exclamation And then post all the people posting the same joke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't do stand up that much. Uh, really, honestly, the, the one that Troy Lund recorded at Spin the Bottle is the only recording of me doing stand up ever. And I think it might be the only stand-up set that I did uh, ever, I want to say. I don't know if I know this did... uh, performance. Oh, Slap That Ass. You remember Slap That oh, Ass? Oh, okay, you're talking about Slap That Ass. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, of course. Um, the thing is that when people watch Slap That Ass, they don't see the me. They there is, no, there is no footage of me instructing the crowd about what to do.
1: <laughs> and
0: so people who watch it... Uh, just assume that I am a stand-up and that that was my character and my
1: uh, my shtick.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I think is great. Uh, but yeah, so when I did LOL Work, the uh, the reality TV show, uh, they referenced me being a stand-up several times and <laughs> had me talk about being a stand-up. And I was like, well, I'm not really a stand-up. Uh, I'm a performance artist. And they're like, we don't we, it's all we the don't same. Need Yeah, let's not confuse people. Yeah. You're a stand-up. And if you think about it, Ben, if you and I did Goody Lauren stuff at stand-up clubs, I think it might go over okay. Because... <laughs> and, and here's why. Like like the other stuff that we used to do... Um, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't stand up like any of the th- other people are expecting. But it's weird enough that I think it would maybe go okay. I think it would be. It,
1: it, you have to be just weird enough without being, I don't know, like A of all insulting, but B of all. I don't know. I, I'm not going to claim to be, uh, uh, you know, the arbiter of what a stand up comedy audience yeah. wants. But I just feel that with what we did, it probably would not go over. It will go over well at first, maybe because it's just unusual and weird. And then if we went, Oh, like if we were, if we
0: were booked. Yeah. So, so here's what I, here's what I think we could probably do. I'm not saying that we need to do this, but we could go through our old goody Lawrence things and say, which of these would work at a stand up club and which ones wouldn't, you know, Um, because they're not as tech heavy as spin the bottle was. Um, they'd have to be at least somewhat funny. I know a uh, big swath of uh, <laughs> yeah. things gone there. Um, you know all the theater stuff. So yeah, it would be tough. It would be tough. There are a but few I things. Think there are some things, and I I feel as though that you and I, if you and I were stand-ups and it was just me telling a joke to you, and then you telling a joke to me. Like, hey, Ben, what's the deal with it? And you're like, yeah, you know, and I also noticed this. And we just split a regular comics act between the two of us. I think it might go okay.
1: Has that not been done?
0: Uh, no, no, have we not done it? That's the, that's the thing. We, have, <laughs> we haven't done
1: it. Uh, Drunk, so. o- Drunk wants to know if we've, ever, if we've ever thought about writing a new age Seinfeld type show together. We did write an episode a new age type, uh, a, a, a a new age Seinfeld type. I don't think like, a new age like is like
0: psychics. Uh, no, I I think he's uh, yeah yeah yeah. Um, we we a did modern. write something called normal. Uh, at one episode of it, it exists. Is is the uh, script anywhere?
1: I don't online? Think the script is online. Um, I actually came across it recently. Uh, heyo and
0: um, gross. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a little naked ladies. Um, hey. Anyway, callback.
1: it's I, I I I came across it and I read it. And I'm like, this isn't that bad. Like you, me, and Zach, no, it's not right, bad. And it's it yeah, a it's, lot it's, of fun.
0: it's it's we sort of yeah, our friend Zach Lewis worked on this with yeah, us. We
1: sort of bit off more than we can chew in terms of like
0: trying to get it produced. Um, yeah, but it's a good script. It is a good script. Um, and so so yeah, basically, and we we have sort of a callback to it in um, the Ransom thing Uh, and I I didn't realize that we did when we wrote Ransom but the idea of a child uh, growing up um, (laughs) yeah I I think I, I do like the idea of of like you and I doing the normal script but we're in our 60s
1: I think that would still work. Yeah, we were still in our mid twenties, uh, playing bass oh, with we children. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Normal was interesting and uh, not normal. The ransom is interesting because And you know, when oh, wait, we, we
0: talked about this, yeah, yeah. When we get to I know what you're
1: gonna say. When we get to like this week in Goody Lawrence history, we can talk about it more. But like the point of it was that we would have Tom's kid like grow up in the film, and we had Tom play the kid, but we took so long to film that video, we could have actually used the child as the yeah. adult
0: version of himself. We should and we should have. We could have boyhooded it. Yeah, but we, we, we could I don't have boyhooded think we, it. I don't think we thought of it, right? I think we thought of it after we had fi- completed it.
1: Well, what's what, what happened was we filmed Tom as an old Tom's kid... Um, yeah. in the first part of filming when we did the second part of filming, we'd already shot that. So we didn't need to do it again.
0: That's right. So okay. we
1: would have yeah. to reshot those scenes. And at that point we were like, "Now let's just get these, these, this final part done and get on with it.
0: That is one thing that I do wish we would have, we would have done with Goody Lawrence. Uh, you know how, how, um, I forget what it's called. The remembrance of the stare or whatever. Um, because we had talked about it at one time when we had first started, <laughs> but we didn't. We didn't do it um, consistently. There was that. There was that thing that we're tied up and it looks like we're beat up. Yeah. I forget which one. Um, the, like... the, con- the concept was. Oh, sorry. It was a video, right? That we yeah. sh- that we. It was like the murder files part
1: two or something like that.
0: Yeah. And and afterwards, we liked the look of it. And we're like, you know what? We should just every from now on, we should we should make ourselves up that looks like we just got this beat out of us. Yeah. Write it down. Um, Damn it. Sorry. Uh, every every time that we appear on stage, we should always make ourselves up to look like we're we're beat up, and have that just be our thing, and then and not uh, even we, reference I, it. Yeah, exactly. We ne- we never did it. Uh, I think. But it would have been great.
1: We we never did it because we didn't do our own makeup. And I don't know about you, but I can't
0: do that kind of makeup. We
1: We, can't do makeup. That's
0: why we didn't do it. Exactly. (laughs) It would have required effort on our parts. I still think it's a great idea. Uh,
1: Steven says in the chat, the Goody Lawrence creative process. Step one, remove any reference to the audience.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um will they th- this is the thing is that I I do think that there's a lot of stuff that we wrote. There's a there's a woman in a ghost town somewhere in the United States that puts on her one-woman show every night regardless of anybody if anybody shows up. Yeah. And I do think that there are a lot of Goody Lawrence pieces that that could use that treatment that we that we, you and I, don't really need an audience there in order to, to do it.
1: And in fact, um, it's probably better if nobody shows up. It's
0: better if, yeah, if nobody sees it. There was a there was a
1: performance artist in town. I want to say this was like 17, 18 years ago. I, oh. I, I think it was... Uh, on the, our turf bed. I think it was at the rendezvous. And the point of the show was they only sold, and this was a solo performer. They only sold one ticket per performance. And so oh, you I only remember this had yeah. one audience member seeing the show. I don't know how long the show was. I'm assuming it wasn't that long. It was like, like yeah. this person would run through maybe 15 or 16 uh, shows a night. Um, but yeah, but that was like that, is, that very intentionally like, helps you create that bond with the audience and with the performer.
0: One of the best things I ever saw, and I, I I wish I knew who put it on, Jennifer could tell you, um, there there was a, a group of uh, theater folks who put on a performance for me, Jennifer, Betty, and like one other person.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, in the woods. We were... In the um, woods? Yeah. I forget which woods it was. It might have been near Alki. Uh, don't quote me on that. Maybe West Seattle. I, I don't remember exactly. Can I quote you on but that? But it was in the woods. It, no. No. It was in the no. It was in the woods and they led us to it, and then they did this performance thing. It was wonderful. Um, I'm not going to tell you about it because you weren't there. It wasn't for you. Ben. But I, uh,
1: I mean, I've, I don't know how many audiences I've been, not just here, but in other fringe performance spaces in town, where I've been one of like four audience members in the house watching a full show.
0: I mean, the thing that's great about theater, and I and I, I mean this, this for real, and we might get a little bit too deep here, Ben, but theater really is about it is the closest you can get to to um, reality control to to manipulating reality, right? You have the you have the option of. Like virtual reality, things like that. But theater already does it. Theater already, and, and as especially with you know my the autistic side of me and all that, a, a place where things are scripted is really interesting. And a place where you know you're going to be in this space, and these people are, are going to do this thing, and this is what the the location is going to look like. All of that stuff is just you know kind of amazing. And I have notebooks filled with stuff like, you know, if you had a performance that you did called The Dentist's Office, and you're, and it takes place in a, you know, you you have all the equipment, and you have the building where the dentist is, but everyone except for you is an actor, and they're going through, you know, a day for the dentist, and it's theater. It's fake, but you hire a real dentist who knows how to work on teeth and they're actually fixing someone's cavity while they're doing it. Um where does the where does the line blur because that is a dental procedure that's happening there. Even if you if you're not doing it until the night of. Stuff like that it just you know I would think about it and it would kind of weird me out. It's not exactly... And then when I did Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say then when I did reality TV uh, same sort of thing hey we're gonna meet here and we're gonna do this at this time you know how is that much different from me making a plan to meet my parents and go to dinner with yeah. them instead of me meeting these people and going to dinner with
1: them it's I mean that's that's the, your dentist office uh, example is sort of similar to a TV show that was just on called Jury Duty where it was like everybody was an actor except for one dude and they went through a trial And it was, for this one guy, he was an inadvertent audience member to this production. But he was actually, you know, a part of it. You know, he could influence it. Um, He wasn't just like a, you know, a bystander, just like watching everything. He was actually in the middle.
0: Yeah. Was there, was it called Average Joe? There was something else that was sort of like that. It was a, it was a reality show, but only one person I don't remember. Um, it was like, you know, you have the Truman show, you have this one, you have that, you know, the same idea of the audience of one person. And I will tell you, Ben, as a, as a, a person who has been officially diagnosed as being on the spectrum. Look, I paid, I paid the money for the diagnosis. I got it. That's great.
1: You value. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. That, that, thank you. Thank you for catching it. Um, the, um, yeah, if I, if I just had a, someone off the street diagnose me, I wouldn't... Um, so the... But the, the... The idea that this is all a show put on for my benefit that everyone is in on except for me Yeah, is... I mean, that idea, right? Take that idea. Before virtual reality... That's what I. That's what I would think. And you've seen a glitch in the Matrix. I talk yeah. about it. Yeah. How? How as a kid, I, just I thought that, that, that this was, you know, that this is all fake, and and then eventually you get to the point where oh well, there's this high level of technology that that is fake, and this is all a simulation for my benefit. It's the same kind of idea of, at least you know, and I'm not saying that if you think uh, virtual reality, if you think that this is a a simulation. Get yourself tested to see if you're on the spectrum. But what I am saying is that that concept of, well, this isn't real because, and this is why, because everybody seems to know what they're doing except me. Yeah. You know, and I even say it in, in the thing that maybe this is my way of coping with, you know, some mental issues that I have. And it's, it seems like it's probably true. Uh, And looking at my forehead whenever we're doing this, I just want to point out, we've talked about this before, but when I was in the reality show, uh, somebody reached out to me on social media and said that I should really think about getting Botox for the wrinkles in my forehead. And it weirded me out because I'm like, who does that? And Jennifer at the time said, look, man, you're on a reality TV show, Um, you know, and I hate to say it, but. You know people when they have that parasocial relationship to you they think that they can tell you that it's the same thing when i was doing TikTok. people would write in and say that i needed to to vacuum my floor yeah you know it's like hey we'll we'll know and they're like well well why did you film your floor if you don't want people to tell you to vacuum and that's the idea the basic concept um if you have put yourself in the public eye these people say I'm allowed to call you whatever I want to. I'm allowed to say whatever I want to because you decided to do that. And I would I would challenge any performer to honestly say, "Yeah, I did sign up for this. People can be as mean to me as they want to be. You know, I agree that that's what this social contract is. I don't think anyone believes it. I think that they feel put upon. Um, and if they don't," I think that they've just been browbeaten by the man, in my opinion. Ben?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I'm sorry, what were you saying? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, I think that's a reason why you see a lot of these child stars or you know, actors or singers who end up not being functioning adults because they've been told by complete strangers what they've been doing wrong their entire life and that's got to take a toll on people well and then
0: the other thing i yeah go ahead go ahead i'm the
1: i'm the kind of person who like i i can't shake off criticism very easily i always sort of take it to heart and so, if I was, you know, kind of one of the reasons why going back to this, why I don't care if any, nobody listens to this except for Drunken Steven. Thank you for listening, um, or any any other art that I do. It's like I don't. I if somebody says, "Oh, you're doing this wrong," or "You look this way, and you should look this other way," I would totally get to me.
0: Yeah, you'd be like, "Oh, maybe." Yeah, exactly. I mean, the same thing. The same thing with me. Whatever people <laughs> would say, vacuum the floor. I would be like, "Hey, man, you know, you vacuum your that- floor." Well, <laughs> but, but then I would also vacuum it afterwards. I'd be like, oh, I guess I should vacuum the floor then. I guess um, I'm right. It is fun. It's funny that I I would not notice how dirty the floor is until somebody on a, a stranger on in the internet pointed it out
1: to me. Oh, I would notice. But
0: yeah, the the thing that it's it's interesting you mentioned that. So so I think we've talked about this before. Betty got written up in a magazine, or not a magazine, a newspaper in Ireland. Back when she was on Twitter as a as a little kid, what? Uh, yeah, we she had a Twitter account, and I would write things that re- she said. I on remember the that.
1: Account. I think I followed it.
0: And Jennifer uh, was like, "Okay, this is all right, but we really need to be careful." And and through her instruction and direction, we really started cutting down how much we put Betty online. Um, and it turned out to be a good idea, I think, because. Nowadays when when you watch some of the things that the parents do with their children,
1: yeah.
0: Like there was one where where this little kid uh, his, that's their right Edward. shaved a receding hairline into yeah. his head and had him dress up in a suit and throw a thing of chili on the ground and the kid was crying saying I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And they're like just do it. Yeah. Um and that could have been Betty if, if her mom hadn't been, you know, a watchdog and that sort of I,
1: stuff. I haven't seen a lot of these videos because this isn't the sort of content that I seek out. But I do know of a number of channels, one specifically, and I think they've even been shut down and the kids taken away, where the parents would play pranks on the kids for the lulls, you know, yeah. or, like, or like views on YouTube. And... I saw like one excerpt of a video and these kids were getting traumatized. Yeah. And I can't imagine like my parents aren't the type of people to do that. Um, I can't, but at the same time, I'm super happy that the internet did not exist during my adolescence.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and also I'm glad the internet wasn't as popular as it used to be. Um, I mean, sorry didn't get as popular as it is now uh we talked about this before i think bean dad seattle yeah. own. uh you know i i love i love the the song the commander thinks aloud um john roderick john roderick uh, yeah he was yeah he was he was very nice to me um you know when we we you know have mutual friends and all that kind of thing um I I was when I first heard of the of the thing, I was on Team Bean Dad. I was like, well, this is this is fine because my understanding of it was, you know, the way that I understood it, uh, it was, hey, you're gonna open this can with this can opener, and until you do, we're gonna we're gonna not open the can until you figure it out. Yeah. And it wasn't like it wasn't like now I'm going to go into the other room. It was them sitting down working, working it out. Um, according to my wife and my and my kid, that is not exactly how it went down. And I can't really speak to it, but the one thing I do know is that and I told you about this before. Uh, there was a time at a pool where I wanted Betty to go down the slide. She didn't want to go down the slide, and I was cajoling her. I'm like, come on. You'll have fun. I promise you'll have fun. Yeah. And she, like, eventually starts, starts crying, saying, I don't want to do it. And, of course, at that point, I stopped, and I said, okay, uh, we're going to make a rule. You're in charge of your own fun. Even if I think something is going to be fun, you don't have to do it until, you know, unless you want to, you don't have to do it. And and if I ever pressure you, all you have to do is say I'm in charge of my own fund and then we don't we still use that to this day. Um there was a woman who was filming our interaction at the pool while she was while she was crying and I was really? trying to get her in. Yep. And I still think about that, that if I and the way that I put it is if I had been any more famous, you know, that might have gone, you know, to some place. I'm sure that, you know, you remember an interaction that you had with your parents at one point in time where you were upset about a decision that they made and you were, you know, arguing with them about it. Yeah. Uh, at the time that we were kids, that would not have been recorded and broadcast to a whole bunch of people. Right. But no, now, anything can be.
1: Because everybody but, who's everybody who's a parent or not a parent has their own ideas of what parenting is. Yeah. And you're obviously days, doing it wrong.
0: These days, though, people tell on themselves. You know, that's the thing. That was the other yeah. thing is that, is that he posted it. And again, this is one of those things. You know, I do not think that necessarily him deciding to post it means that anyone can say anything they want to to him. But there are people that are of that opinion. Well, hey, man, you were the one who posted this. Yeah. So, you know, don't get mad at me telling you what to do. And I, again, just for the record, I do not endorse not feeding your child if they can't open a can. If that is what happened, and that's what I've been, this is what I've been told. Um, you know, I do not.
1: Sorry, I mean, I, but I, I but like not, I said, I. Sorry, God. I've not seen the Bean Dad video. I know the controversy. The way you describe it doesn't make it sound terrible at all. But I mean,
0: well, I mean that's my understanding was that there wasn't a video. I. I didn't know that there was a video of it. I thought that I just heard the description of it. And again, not the description that he had of it, the description that somebody else wrote about it. So Anyway, the fact that here's the here's the point. I I know that in my when I was bringing Betty up and when I was was doing things, there were times when she where where I was like, "Okay, well this is going to be a teaching moment. I'm going to do, you know, we're we're going to do this. Well, I'll give you an example. Math I am not allowed, I am not allowed by Jennifer and the psychologists who study Betty, I'm not allowed to work with her on math problems because she and I just feed back upon each other and it gets, it gets bad, which is crazy, but true. And I feel as though if someone were to record or would have recorded those math interactions, um, it you know I would not be seen as a good guy I would be seen as why doesn't he just let her do it the way that she wants to why is he so obsessed the reason is because she and I have the same problem yeah and and I'm the adult so I should be the one to to not <laughs> engage in that but I have issues so and this is the thing is that Someone might say, well, hey, you should learn to not do this. But because I can't learn to not do this, not talking about it, not dealing with it, and having it be, you know, mom deals with the math side of things, uh, is the way to do it. And it seems to work out so far. Well, that's good. So we'll see. Yeah. Labor Day. It's a holiday. Is Thank it? you, the Black Eyed Peas. Um, yeah. The Monday the 4th. No work.
1: I'll be working. Which
0: is pretty exciting. Oh, really?
1: That's that's the thing about being, uh, uh, you know, freelance is uh, you don't get yeah. paid time off or holiday pay.
0: Yay. Or insurance.
1: Or insurance. Well, I Through mean... your I,
0: employer. Exactly. I mean, you're your employer. So. I
1: have insurance, but I, I pay a lot for it. And I get very yeah. little. It's a great system.
0: Uh... Yeah. I, uh... uh I don't want to... I don't want to say too much, but you'll you'll note, of course, that there are people in the world at this time who want people to go back into offices. Yeah. And Jennifer pointed out a very good point. And that's that the people that run the businesses, right, may understand that they don't have to pay a lot for their employees and all that to be in there. But they also most likely have real estate holdings of their own. And so it's, uh, it's in their best interest that the real estate markets, you know, happen also the automotive industry, you know, if we don't have to, so like Jennifer and I only have one car now we had two, we got rid of one of the cars because I work from home. Right. And so, you know, the car companies, uh, like it when people have to commute, obviously.
1: So, and the repair you know, companies,
0: go to yeah, I don't know. All it's, of you know, those things.
1: <clears throat> I don't like there's like, you know, I live in Seattle. Amazon has famously called its worker bees yes. back to the hive. And, uh, and I, I think, was it Amazon? I think it was, I think it was like the CEO of Amazon who basically said, I think in no uncertain terms, if you don't come back to the office, we will replace you.
0: Yeah. It is interesting, of course, because back when back when the customer service center was in Seattle, and they moved it to Grand Forks, North Dakota, or Huntington, West Virginia, they said you can you can work for us if you move to those locations. Right. So, because otherwise, we won't
1: be able to tell if you're working or not because we won't have a supervisor leaning over your shoulder.
0: Yeah, it's it is it is interesting about um, you know productivity. And all that. If you are in a physical location, here's the thing i I feel as though um, my advancement in my in my job is directly correlated to the fact that i I was working from home during the pandemic. Yeah. Because a lot of the things that my my little mental issues uh, keep me from uh, that. A lot of my little mental issues that keep me from getting promotions and things like that uh, were not on display because I was working from home. Yeah. And so I was mean, turning my work in.
1: And how many studies have there been that determined that productivity goes up when you have a remote workforce and they only have to work, say, 30 hours a week, right? Yeah. it's the, Your productivity goes up because all the work is more concentrated into the day and they're not... Spending you know two to three hours a day trying to look busy which is when I worked in the office something I did a lot
0: something that uh I was told the suggestion that was made was that it's a boomer problem that what isn't yeah and I was that's exactly it it's like and I and all I have to say is yes <laughs> um it is it is funny uh um Millennials and uh, Gen Z kids uh, are also put on by boomers, put upon. They've, they've done it now for three generations. Um, but as Jennifer has pointed out, I and it's absolutely true, Karens, anytime that you see one, that's actually usually a Gen X person.
1: Yeah. We've well, aged into... It's our age group, Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's, so that's something, um, that is too bad. It Uh, is too bad because all the,
1: all the people whose name is Karen, I know are really great people.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was the other thing is that Jennifer said that if you, if, if you're watching a video and there's a Karen again doing things like that, um, she, she said a lot of them are functional alcoholics. Mm. And that's and that's part of the part of the thing of like why are they like this? That's yeah. that's part of what's happening.
1: Clearly, so, they've been drinking since lunch.
0: Exactly, or haven't been drinking since lunch, and
1: should uh, well maintain. That's another way to look at it, I suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, and and don't uh, <laughs> get get help, people, if you need uh, help. Oh, and and finally, speaking about addiction and things of that nature uh feel good starring may martin uh m-a-e martin yeah uh not the uh not the theme song for the for the movie but it's a it's it's by uh comedian uh and canadian may martin uh who i who i'm currently watching on the season comedian. of taskmaster that is a comedian <laughs> That's great, man. Now I wish I lived there. Uh, so um, yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, well written, in my opinion. I keep on saying, in my opinion, uh, just because I don't want anyone to get mad at me for thinking differently uh, than they do. But it's, I it's believe great. that's what um,
1: uh, Emos stands for,
0: and it's on Netflix. Uh, so yeah, just uh, just throwing that out there. Um, uh, it is you can't look away. Again, one of the one of the things where it's someone who uh, who is not afraid to make themselves uh, look. I, I'm I'm trying to, to phrase this right. Make themselves look bad as far as. You know, showing the flaws that they have and things like that, uh, as part of their yeah. their story, <laughs> um, issues that sh- that um, <laughs> that show up when they uh, interact with other people. They're not always right in the situations yeah. that they're in. It's good. It's good stuff. Anyway. Anyway, one
1: one final note though. So Stephen and Drunk have been uh, pretty pretty vocal in the chat. I've not gotten to everything. I'm sorry, y'all, to not. Uh, hey, not, I haven't even sorry been able to folks. read everything. But the Drunk just submitted something. Let's that I go wanna...
0: a little a little over to to d- address these. these well, things. no, this...
1: I'm just going to say this one last thing. Uh, so oh, okay. Drunk says, "My mom's name is Karen. She never drank a day in her life. She's just a naturally mean person."
0: Oh well. And don't we all know someone like that? <laughs> and with that, uh, and with that, yes, uh, Ben, Paul. I'm going to ask you to uh, between now and the next time we talk, which is going to be a, a week from now, uh, keep it
1: wrong. Well, I hope to I hope to try to keep it wrong, and and I uh, impress upon you to do
0: the same thing. So keep it wrong, and I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, and uh, <clears throat> how's it happening?
1: How's it happening? All right. And we're clear. Here we
0: go. I'm going to hit stop.